Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of In It Together. I'm not alone this week, as you can probably tell by the audio quality. I actually don't know if my audio quality is that bad. I don't really listen. It's not. It's not that bad. Okay. I try my best for a home setup. Um, but I do kind of want to touch on uh, last week's here with uh, Brent, first and foremost. If you didn't listen to last week's, I talked a lot about the Justice Democrats, uh, the specific PAC, um, some of the offshoots, and kind of what that PAC is doing to mainstream Democrats. And I I said that I think the most important thing they're doing is they're highlighting issues for the Democratic Party to really kind of build themselves on. Like, the Republican Party has God, Guns, and Ronald Reagan, and every Republican kind of falls in line with those and agrees on those. And the Democratic Party doesn't have any of those. So, Brent, I want to know what your thoughts are on if the Democrats are ever going to have those kind of three pillars of the Democratic Party and what those would be. So do I think that they have those three pillars? And if they did, what do I think they would be? Yeah, should um, be, could be. Should be, should be and could be are two totally different things. Oh, um, well, yeah. Let's see. I, I don't really care about the Justice Democrats, if I can be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, I, I think that if we're going to talk about like... Uh, movements that have been effective on the democratic platform i'm more inclined to think that like the dsa has proven to be more influential i can see that argument um, uh, those are the democratic socialists of america correct for those yeah i don't know yeah um they've had you know influence in you know those uh uh the la teacher strikes that we talked about and they also um have you know influence in the denver teacher strikes which actually just got ended through you know compromise but mm-hmm. uh I would argue they're they're more influential, but the Justice Democrats, I think that I would probably argue that they do a little bit more harm than good, especially right now, because I feel like they tried to, and we're going to talk about this a little bit more later with YouTube and uh, leftism on, on YouTube or just political exchange of ideas on YouTube. And uh, I feel like the Justice Democrats, people like the Secular Talks, the Young Turks, uh, they often... I think that they they play into the democratic platform while kind of giving this this illusion that that they're separate from it. Um, I think that the challenge that they bring to the platform is like their their big thing is getting money out of politics. Like that that's the big thing. They're always talking about how the democratic platform is corrupt and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fine. It's great to talk about those things, but at the same time, I'm skeptical of people like you know the the Young Turks and the Jimmy Doors of the world because. When I hear them talk, their political uh, compass just seems to be like, like the the they're 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 the guys that are like trapped in the nineties. They're they're like the angsty Gen X of of the Democratic the, Party. Yeah, um, they basically want to be like, look, we're we're not like the Democrats because like we don't have the corporate money, and we're not like the Democrats because like we'll make the cool edgy joke that you like. But at the same time, it's like. Yeah, but you guys are like 35 to 40. <laughs> and it's not that's not me saying that like people that are 35 to 40 can't have good ideas. I mean, Bernie's like 112 and people like him. They're like our slash fellow kids. Like they're really yeah. trying to be hard to relate Man, themselves. You nailed it. You nailed it. Um, yeah, they're they kind of fall into that. But like on a more serious note, um, I don't hear them that, like that, that. That's why I bring up the DSA, because like while I'm not like huge into the DSA camp either. At least DSA seems to have a bit more of like a poignant, directed um, criticism towards the Democratic platform, like other than just, oh, we need to get rid of super PACs. Because I think the difference is the Justice yeah. Democrats are a super PAC 
and their primary function is to raise money and give it to Democratic candidates, left more left Democratic candidates, whereas the DSA has organized itself as an actual political party, and they have meetings, and they have representatives, and they vote on legislation, and they are for specific policy, whereas... And they're formed like a political party, like they have a leader of that party, and that leader is not a business person that they've put in charge that is kind of God over it. I remember reading um, an article about the DSA where they had a vote on whether they recognize or whether they were for a two-state solution or not. And the gist of it is the representatives of the DSA voted that they were in favor, that they're pro-Palestine rather than pro-Israel. And that's a big difference because... Justice Democrats are a loosely organized, okay, we'll give you funding, we'll give you funding, we won't give you funding, and like that. I So I think there is that key difference, but and they're aligned on some things, but not all of them. Yeah, and, and like speaking to the whole Palestinian thing, they'll also say, oh, well, we support a two-state solution rather than, you know, I think having the better answer of saying, well, we're pro-Palestine. Mm-hmm. Because That's I mean, we, we, can talk, we can to. talk about like a two-state solution all day, but at the end of the day... I almost feel like it's a very bourgeois, like naive idea that, oh, well, we, we can reach this compromise with, you know, Zionist influence in the region. We can reach this compromise with you know, like the, the 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 remnants of the 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 PLO. It's it's almost it's almost nonsensical. I mean, we need to just probably accept that the more realistic answer is that Palestine may one day have an, a nation state kind of uh, independence. And Israel will continue being Israel, and it's not a two-state solution. I think you have to identify that. Look, some of these countries that are fighting for like a nation, a nation statism, that's probably the best solution that they're going to get right now. Mm-hmm. And the Justice Democrats can't have that conversation, really, because no. that's more of like a confederalist argument. Well, there's also this kind of paranoia that I think we've seen lately with Representative Ahan Omar. Any criticism of Israel is seen as anti-Semitism. Which is a very, very dangerous yes. uh, kind of like self-censorship to have. Yeah, and we, there's been resolutions passed going against this. It's, it's strange how quickly people seem to forget where Israel came from and kind of how that nation was brought up and who was kicked off their land. Um, but I don't really want to get into the whole Well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave it at this. Um, the idea that any criticism of Israel is rooted in anti-Semitism and that trying to make this this statement of, you know, anti-Zionism is different from anti-Semitism. I took a, a Middle Eastern political systems class last semester, and the first day of class, we kind of had to introduce ourselves based on what we knew about the Middle East and mm-hmm. their political you know, situations. And there was this one girl who described herself as Jewish and anti-Zionist mm-hmm. and saying, you know, as a Jew— I have serious problems with how Israel's operated and how their influence goes over that entire region. You'll find, you know, people from Lebanon that that oppose Zionism. You'll find people within within Israel, probably even within the settlement camps that are against Zionism, the people that benefit the most from it. Mm-hmm. Um this 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 whole talking point, this is like a really negative consequence of of political correctness. And yeah. like another positive would be um, uh, I think it was Howard Schultz. He doesn't like the term billionaire. He wants per- people of means. Yeah, that's to, to be, to be insane entered. to me. That that if that doesn't make you have like a reservation about are certain like social optics like that always beneficial? No, they're not. Mm-hmm. They fully aren't. And I mean, I think there's a reason why you know 
people of means has 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 appeal or people of color has appeal. I mean, like it's it it it, it gets to a point. We're gonna talk about this later with the YouTube leftism more, but uh, people of means it, a, it ties back to this whole Zionism a line thing. to draw. And when something is legitimately offensive against somebody, like using I'll, I'll use an example. The word tranny is an offensive term. Yeah, and using the term transgender is a better way to. It's a more accurate way. To refer to that person. Yeah, yeah. Calling somebody a person of color and calling somebody as black could be their personal prefer- preference. I don't think either are incorrect. I think if you want to call use one or the other, that's fine. Yeah. But I'm not black, so I guess I, I don't really have yeah, an like, opinion the, or preference I, I, I on guess, that one. I guess the point that I was trying to make is, like, I, I don't want people to ever think that if I'm making a criticism about political correctness, that I'm making a criticism about the sensitivities that you should have to how, you know, like the existences of races in America. I'm not mm-hmm. making that argument, but I'm saying that by feeding into those games, you're feeding into a game of, of, of social optics. You're feeding into a game of exchanging social capital and you're going to get into the checkmate where, well, why shouldn't I call a billionaire a person of means? Yeah, I was just and thinking what, and what, to what are myself. the consequences of separating billionaire from billionaire and saying, mm-hmm. well, these are just people of means. What does that mean? That means that you're justifying the act of a billionaire being a billionaire because they've, quote, earned it by their means. You know, it's just there are very bad consequences. Yeah. I, I think there's a line to draw where you can it's totally OK. And I think it's preferred to ask somebody how they want to be referred to. Like that is a nobody will ever get mad when you ask them how do they want to how they want you to refer to them. Nobody. But if some rich dude wants me to call him a person of means, I don't think I can do it. I think I, I, I gotta, would laugh. I, I would think straight I up laugh. Gotta in call their face. him a billionaire. Yeah, I, well, I'm gonna call him an asshole, and I'm also gonna call him a billionaire. Um, but, I but, wanna, but back, back to the 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 Zionism thing, like the the big point that you make from that is like, uh, clearly there are people that'll paint themselves as you know anti-Zionist that are anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. Like obviously there are people that'll say like, oh the the um, what what was the term? Zionist uh, government zog, you know, those, those are white supremacist dog whistles and stuff like that, where there's this idea that, you know, there's a grand Jewish conspiracy and like, you know, they, they control the banks. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, Israeli influence on American foreign policy and kind of Judeo-Christian European influence. Yeah. I want to transition kind of into um, this kind of anti-Semite fear-mongering in this Israel conflict into the YouTube thing because one of the videos that kind of put it on my radar that there is a propaganda push using YouTube was the PragerU videos that have been popping up for me for ads. So if you don't know, PragerU is kind of a think t- uh, conservative think tank with a ton of funding and a lot of big conservative names. And PragerU does a really effective job of framing their argument and leaving out the things that would count against them. So for example, PragerU has a video that talks about uh, Israel and Palestine, and it gives a completely one-sided argument into, it's basically from Israel's point of view, and it says three times where Palestine could have made peace, but Palestine chose not to. And they're all factually incorrect, but they all have people in suits kind of talking to you and giving this kind of lighthearted, like, hey, I'm just a like a regular old professor, and let me teach you about this. But it's not that. It's a conservative think tank that purposely leaves out information. And I want to kind of look at, like, how we perceive different left and right YouTube channels and which ones, like, which ones do you watch? You know, it's funny. I'll watch a lot of right-wing YouTubers, too, not because I agree with them, just because it's like I like kind of keeping tabs on what the... I guess what the hot button yeah like, the thing hot is. button issue and the arguments that they go to. But uh, 
some leftist YouTubers I really, really like a lot. Um, Three Arrows, um, German content creator, talks a lot about uh, German history, talks a lot about um, uh, war history, specifically World War II, um, a lot of Nazi history. I've seen um, his videos now that I look at his logo. Uh, I mean, the big ones are people like ContraPoints, which... ContraPoints, I'll second. I think ContraPoints is kind of the thought leader of uh, leftist YouTube, I want to say. Like, not formally, but I think the points that ContraPoint makes and the issues that she talks about are kind of, like, trickle down into... Like, they make a lot of waves in the YouTube scene. See, I, I, would, I would argue more that her... Uh production values yes. tr trickle down because her, ever, ever since her videos became more uh elaborate yes. and her uh her personas became more you know flamboyant and she kind of came into her own more and more both with her identity and i think with her her content mm -hmm. um other youtubers have kind of been like all right like like philosophy tube and h bomber yeah. guy are, are good examples um h bomber guy and philosophy tube both content creators I'd, both I'd recommend but mm -hmm. uh some others that i think are actually some of the great greatest content creators right now that we have i love peter coffin i've uh, seen his videos actually a michigan uh content creator fellow michigander makes a lot of videos about social capital a lot of videos about cultivated personalities um about how capitalism kind of infects maybe the the personal sphere or what we perceive to be the personal personal sphere um there's also content creators like angie speaks who i would really rec recommend she talks a lot about um, she criticizes some aspects of identity politics from a from a, a leftist standpoint, also from a standpoint as a, a person of color. Um, but the big kind of caveat I have right now is that there seems to be a little bit of a divide between leftist content creators right now because there are a lot of people within left tube. Some people call it bread tube, you know. Um, <laughs> You know, conquest of bread, all that shtick. Um, <laughs> We're gonna get in really memey here in a second. <laughs> we keep going this way, which which I hate, and that 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 that's like a really big caveat to it because um, the reason why I like Peter Coffin and I like people like Angie Speaks so much are because they're content creators who have the self awareness about what they're bringing to the platform as content creators, and they understand that you know as leftists who are critical of capitalism, they're critical of you know how. American economics are set up, uh, what role they have in creating content and what role they have in, uh, uh, in, in interacting with other, other people. There's this big controversy because of things like call out culture. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, anyone that's on Twitter nowadays understands what call out culture is. And so glad I deleted my Twitter. <laughs> and I, I, th there's this big divide within a lot of left tube right now. There are some people that are more pro call out culture and there are people more against. I'm more against it because I think that a punitive approach to mistakes that we see in other people aren't always the best way to make social change and they're not the best way to just interact with people on principle. Yeah, it's kind of a bad precedent to set. It's kind of like detoxing people, I think. Well, I mean, there there was a um, Angie Speaks, the a content creator I talked about before, you know, some allegations came out about her and before things could really be straightened out. People hacked her PayPal, the yeah. doxter, and she said, you know, it's kind of funny to me because she said, like, as a person of color, I feel like I got attacked far harsher than, you know, my other content creators that were, you know, white guys when we were all collaborating together. It seems like people have singled me out 
for for you know whatever reason mm -hmm. and i feel like the problem is it's like in call out culture you get this this level of like moral superiority within yourself you get this kind of social capital about yourself it's like you put yourself above others quite quite literally mm -hmm. because of you know how they how they talk how they you know, interact and that's a negative thing to do on people because the way i look at it is we can all identify that like racism is wrong we can identify yeah. that like things in society need to change and i think that within within people let's say we have a, a pool of a million people that are right-leaning to like center to right-leaning now these are the people at the left would say are like the prime people that you want to connect with mm -hmm. because the point is that you don't want capitalism you don't want that influence bringing those people to more of a disenfranchised place to get them to you know fascism or whatever reactionary place they get to so based on that why would your philosophy be to when you see these people doing things which you think lead them to that place why Attack would them. why would right why would it be a philosophy of attacking because in my opinion of that pool of a million people there's probably half that have the propensity to change their minds mm -hmm. there's another probably third who don't care who will never change and another third that are just so indifferent and they're just kind of saying things they because say oh of, politics right whatever now by being by being punitive you're saying it's more important that i showcase to whatever followers i have on a social media platform that i am against what these people are proposing it's which like hyper already virtue signaling Right. And the other problem is that the left doesn't want to say that things like virtue signaling exist because, mm -hmm. well, the right says that they exist. And there's this idea like, all right, philosophy tube. He made a great video recently about Steve Bannon. And the main point that he made at the beginning of the video was now Steve Bannon's wrong, but he's not wrong about everything. Mm -hmm. And he'll start off right, but he'll end up in the wrong place. Jordan Peterson does that too, I think. And that's, and that's the point. That's why I say there's that half that can be reasoned with and can be talked to. Because mm -hmm. if they can identify that there's a problem with elitism, well, how about we swap the word elitism with capitalism? How about we swap the words with, you know, a Hollywood, I don't know, pedophile ring with how about there's, there's a, 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 a huge corporatist uh, uh, un, unaccountable wing of economic influence over the entire planet. Like, we can't talk about that because you're hung up, but you start at the right place. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You know what I mean? So for, for the left to, like, have this identity of, well, we can't uh, speak to the right on their own terms, you're giving it to them. Mm -hmm. And by, by saying that, we, we don't have the bravery or we don't have the know-how to just engage with working class people, people that don't come from our social bubble. I mean, if you think that you can only talk to quote unquote comrades that are non-binary, <laughs> that, so that are, you know, non-binary or that, you know, are are within your social caste, you're, you're being you're being naive about, you're about any kind of future. The amount of people who you can convince and who you can get to agree with you. And I think along with that, there's this really terrible culture of debating. And when these two hemispheres of YouTube meet, like when Ben Shapiro debates, insert leftist YouTuber here, when those debates happen, it's two sides who are really passionate, who will never have their minds changed. And I also think there, I don't know how big of a portion of the audience this is, but there has to be some people who are undecided on these things. And when you get into a debate and you, like the objective, 
of debating has been taken away from let's exchange ideas and let's like talk about these. Cause when I debate people in real life, I always try to give them my point of view and I always try and hear their point of view. And that's something that doesn't happen in these big YouTube debates where it's just two people yelling at each other. It's, Oh, I beat him. I won. He looks stupid. That's not the way to debate anybody. And if you are left leaning and you're out there and you interact with people who aren't as left as you and people who are on the right, your goal should not be, ha, you're wrong. I got you. I win. Your goal should be, here's my perspective at least try and see it from my perspective. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of YouTubers make. I'm probably going to get a little, little bit of flack for bringing it up here, but uh, um, sl- Slabage Zizek. I've never heard anybody say... Zizek. I can, I, can't, I can never pronounce his first name. Um, who is he? Because I might recognize uh, He's him. that uh, uh, Sylvanian uh, uh, kind of political theorist. He's the guy who... <laughs> He's constantly sniffing. I've never yeah. seen him. I would not be able to. <laughs> you never even heard him speak? Mm, I don't think so. All right, well, he's, I might have heard him speak, but I... He's, he's more of like a Marxist-Leninist type, but he's, oh, he's wait, very, Vice very... Vice did an interview with him that I yeah, believe Yeah, everyone watched. knows him through Vice. He's yeah. that guy. Okay. I'm not a, a stan by any means, but he said this thing <laughs> that, I, that I was hearing recently that like I, I really appreciated a lot, and it kind of summed up my annoyances with a lot of left tube is that, okay... We can care about marginalized groups. We can care about uh, uh, you know people that we feel are neglected by our society because of you know their skin color, because of their orientation. We can care about all of those things, and we should care about all of those things. We shouldn't neglect caring about those things whatsoever. But I mean, he made a really good point here. I think that there should be some self-reflection. When the week of Donald Trump, like, like a week before the election, you know, the biggest topic within the left is transgender bathrooms. Mm-hmm. And then you wonder why Trump is able to connect with the general person. Yeah. And, and here's here's the here's the reason why. And this isn't me trying to say that, you know, we should, you know, not bring these things in because it, it'll, it'll just alienate the, the average person. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is. If you look at Bernie and you look at Trump, the reason why they both connected so you know uh, uh, widely with people is because their main arguments were relatable arguments to the general person. Mm-hmm. They were economic arguments. They were arguments saying, you know, you're not getting paid enough at your job, or uh, I mean, in, in Trump's case, you know, uh, uh, immigrants could be taking your job. Yeah. You know, there was this clear pivot to working class general citizens saying that like you know here here's what what i'm taking away from looking at society bernie saying here's this economic problem trump saying here's this nationalistic problem Mm -hmm. but both are they're two sides of the same coin almost they're the same problem but they're two different ways of looking at it i think i I, i'm not that's not the point i'm trying to make I'm, i'm trying to make more so the point that those are things that the average worker the average human being is going to like connect with immediately and they're they're yeah. going they're going to be able to you know siphon their support to that and they're going to be able to like like uh existentially connect with that as well whereas if you make the kind of rallying cry behind leftism purely about identity politics which mm-hmm. are i mean we can talk about them we can criticize them but i mean the idea that marginalized groups have you know specific experiences and we should care about them that that that's a completely okay thing but it's not a good thing to base your platform that is, on that that should never that should absolutely not be a sole basis because it's getting to getting to the point now where it's like 
all right, you meet someone who describes himself as a leftist, or you meet someone who describes themselves as, you know, an anti-Trump person, and you try I'd to you try to have a conversation the with them about, all right, well, what is the solution? And they can't, but you talk to them about, you know, the the plight of their very zeroed-in personal experience, and they can talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. You should be able to do both. You should yeah. be able to fight for yourself and fight for everyone else, because that that that's the grander point of this. Mm-hmm. And the problem with identity politics in the current landscape is that we're we're neglecting the second half of that equation. It's we should care about our marginalized, personalized, identitarian experiences, but we shouldn't relate that to criticizing a grander picture. Some some leftist, you know, co- content creators do. People people like Peter Coffin, I'd argue, make a really uh, uh, interesting point into like arguing about that. Even people like Bad Mouse Productions, um, but. The problem is that, like, when you go to, like, you know, a place like here, CMU, and you talk to more just generically liberal people, mm-hmm. it's like it's like a politics of politeness. Yeah. It's like, well, well, like, I, I don't understand why, like, my polit, like, I don't understand why people can't just be nice to each other. If you, if if the political discussion for you ever ever gets to I just don't know why people can't be nice. You've lost. Yeah. Okay, so we're politically interested people, and supposedly anybody listening, whether they're on the right or the left, is politically interested. I think the takeaway is the majority of people don't know about your political theories, and they don't know about Marxist grand uh, controlling the means of production. Like, the majority of Americans don't care, and they don't, they'll never care about that. But what you need to do is you need to make it accessible, and you need to make it widely, you need to give it wide appeal. So when Bernie talked about an issue, and when Trump talked about an issue, they made it, you need more money, right? Like, you want to get paid more. There are, and then there are two ways of looking at it, like, your worker, your, your boss is the reason, and then there's Trump's way of looking at it, immigrants are the reason why you're not getting paid more. And those are the two ways of looking at it that divided this country. And for whatever reason, the way that the votes fell in America, Donald Trump won that argument. Yeah. And, and I, and I think the big point why is because the other, you know, option. Yeah. Uh, well, Hillary there's, Clinton there's, wasn't making that. No, argument. no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about Hillary yeah. Clinton. I'm saying like symbolically the other option being like a left option. Yeah. You know, when the average person is like, okay, the average curious person. And I, I, I kind of have a little bit of a caveat with the whole, you know, uh, I, I wasn't trying to make a, the point that it's the Marxism of of people's views that that that'll that alienates people. I'm saying the idea of when you zero in on your personal experience so much that. All right. Here, here, here's a great, great example. I was watching. Uh, have you seen like those vice videos about like black conservatives and black liberals? If it's on vice, I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, whatever. Fuck vice. But I like for, 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 for the time being, <laughs> They're meh. I, I, I get very curious about vice and I'll just watch things out of morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, there was a question posed to a bunch of black, uh, Trump supporters and black, you know, liberal vo- voters. And the question posed is, you know, how many of you voted for Obama in the past couple terms? And a few of them raised their hands. And then it was how many voted for him just because he was black. And a couple of them like kept their hands raised mm-hmm. and said, like, honestly, a big part of it was this idea that, you know, if I have someone in office who I think represents me, you know, that 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 is a beneficial thing for me. Mm-hmm. And we see this all the time. You know, we see things we see uh, politicians branded as, you know, the first openly gay black woman in Congress, mm-hmm. you know, the first openly transgender. Per- and I'm not saying that, you know, we we should not have gay or transgender people in in politics, mm-hmm. but 
I feel like a lot of people are going to wake up and they're getting promised this illusion that if you get people in office that look like you, if you get people in office that, quote, come from your experience. Yeah, have shared experiences and can relate to you. Then these people will do things which are within your best interest. Mm -hmm. And my big answer to that is Obama had eight years. I'll say this. I think most black individuals in America, left or right, were disappointed by the Obama presidency. Yeah. Because that idea of being promised, here, here's someone that, that finally looks like you, who comes from you. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, 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 they're going to make everything so much better for you. And yeah. I think, But that's you know, not how politics works. And well, it's yeah, the fault course. of the politicians who have been selling the American public on that but, for generations. But here, here's another problem. Corporations have learned how to play the woke game. Yeah, And politicians absolutely. have now learned how to play the woke game. Sometimes poorly, uh, sometimes Cause, better cause than now, others. Because now Kamala Harris can paint herself as woke. Corey and Booker can paint themselves as woke. Yeah, yeah we're cool. And, I smoked uh, weed in college, and I inhaled. Yeah, and let's, let's you know, completely ignore any other past. Let, let, let's ignore anything else because it's more ideal to have someone like Kamala Harris in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, like, like, based on policy, I'm saying that people— will look at someone like Ojeda and you can make that political argument of, well, it would be more beneficial to have Camilla in because, you know, bl- black woman. Yeah, she's had and, those and experiences we can, and we can that play Ojeda could and, never and, have. And, you know, there you'll try to appeal to voters and be like, you know, for two—you can almost hear the speech. For too long, you know, mm-hmm. women have been pushed out. And instead of making a serious argument about women not having a, a, a really fair shake into politics, it's, wouldn't it be nice— if you had a black woman in the position. And to me, it's just like, it's it's like, it's like that really dumb meme on Twitter where it's like more black CEOs Mm -hmm. or more, you know, women of color CEOs. And it's like, no, no more CEOs. That should be the (laughs) argument because the idea of like, well, things would be better if we just had more CEOs or more presidents that, that were, you know, if we had an equal representation of presidents, if we had an equal representation of racially homogenous or or racially different war criminals, what difference does it make? One of the reasons I think that saying we really need a a woman or a African-American woman in this position is that it kind of alienates people who don't have that priority. So if you're a Democrat and you're giving a speech talking about how important it is to have representation in a position, talking about how important it is to have black women in politics, white dudes who are in the middle are going to go, oh, this, the, this party isn't for me. Well, and well, that, that's, that's not, that's more a fault of that voter, I think. I think that the problem is that Democrats are trying to, instead of having good ideas, they're trying to have good socially optic representatives. Yeah. And that is the woke game. That is the, the, the political woke game. And Republicans don't really have that burden they on themselves. They don't need to because the Republican base doesn't care about the Republican base. And I'm going to say it so many times because this is how Demo- Democrats need to understand. God, guns, and Ronald Reagan are the three things that the Republican Party is based on. And those are the only three things that Republican that Republican officials need to talk about and need to prioritize because you don't see Republicans going out there and saying, I smoked weed in college and I inhaled because nobody in the Republican party gives a shit. Nobody, people give a shit that they're going to, that they're going to have the same, that they're going to support their policy. And the Democrats do not have policy to rally people around. And the policy they do have that rallies people around is these super specific it's, it's, issues. It's, 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 it's identity politics. Yeah, it's identity politics, and that's how they've had 10% of the population that's super inspired and cares a lot about those things and how they have... Like, if you ask 10 people at this campus if they're a Democrat, two of them say they are. People do not... 
want to be a, I'm not a Democrat. I don't neither of us affiliate as Democrats. Small minority will be proud Democrats. And you can always tell because they tell you mm-hmm. first. They're like, oh, I'm the leader of the college Democrats. Yeah. It's like I don't really care. And you're not doing a ton. Yeah. Like I could I could rant about the college Democrats. I know a lot of people who are college Democrats, and it's great what you guys are doing. I I just want to do one more caveat because talking about this this topic. I feel is something that I mean I I may get canceled just for this episode you know um like my dude I, I've been I, canceled for so long dude I got canceled in 2013 I've been through <laughs> this shit you know cancel me again we'll see we'll see me come back like a cockroach yeah it's but, uh, that's we can talk the big, cancel the, culture the big is caveat awful. this I don't want anyone to think for like I am a I am a person who you know has dealt with I, I'm not gonna say I've dealt with like the biggest plights of society but you know uh. <laughs> When, when, when things come out about me as a person, I get treated differently. You know, when certain coworkers at past jobs learn that I wasn't straight, uh, you know, I'd get, I'd get looks. I'd, I'd mm-hmm. get called faggot. You know, I, I, I'd, get, I'd get the jokes of like, oh, don't stand too close to Brent or don't go clean that with Brent. I've never you had know? that. Like, I've never. No, like. Well, you didn't, you didn't grow up in Adrian, Michigan. No, I didn't. I grew but, up uh, in the city. Yeah. Well, they're, in the they're, suburbs. I, I don't want anyone to think for a second that you shouldn't care about these things, that you shouldn't care about the struggles that transgender people go through. Th- this weekend, I, I had to cover the Make Waves for Flint, and I had to cover, you know, a, a multicultural conference happened at Bovee yesterday. They would give people within the audience the, the floor. And one thing I heard uh, this, this girl say is, you know, as, as, as a black person, I feel like sometimes we feel as if there's other groups that don't go through struggles mm-hmm. and we need we need to understand that kind of like universal solidarity with people mm-hmm. and a hundred years ago within leftism or just within you know more left-leaning political like philosophy there did seem to be this idea of a more global solidarity now maybe it's because those groups were a bit more repressed uh but at the same time i feel like we can care about the most marginalized in society and not sell out to think that we have to support woke corporate Democrats to get anything mm-hmm. in mind. And I'm just trying to tell you, they're, they're extending an olive branch that is rotten to the core. Yeah. Because there, there's nothing wrong with having women of color in the political process. There's nothing wrong with that. But they're saying, wouldn't it be great to have this person in? And they're not asking you to critically analyze that person from a political standpoint yeah. because we're getting to the place where it's 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 this Gretchen Whitmerism. Mm-hmm. Potholes aren't political. Why should anything be political? It should just be about, well, can't we all just do the right thing and be a nice person? Yeah, that's we can't, the bad way of doing it. Yes. The because, good way of making that argument is saying, can we both agree that this is an issue, right? That's a good place to start. That's always the best place to start. Can we agree this thing in society should be changed? Yes. Yeah. Now, let's give each other ideas to fix that issue. That's where everybody splits. You need to have the argument, this is my perspective on it, and this is why I think this. And then you can hear their argument. And then hopefully, ideally, you can come to some middle ground and you can come to a compromise. I want to transition this into uh, non-compromise, which now that Donald Trump has open the government and we're going to be open uh not gotten his border wall funding but will declare a national emergency to fund this wall i heard somebody say something that made me like horrified because i asked them oh what do you think about this and they said he's the president he can do whatever they want that is not how the president works 
for anybody listening, the president is exactly equal to Congress, is exactly equal to the judicial branch, and they're all supposed to have the same amount of power. And Congressman Jeff Flake touched on this a long time ago, where he said Congress doesn't want to do its job anymore. They don't want to make laws. It's the president's ability to enact those laws and to make sure that they're enacted and to make sure Congress is doing its job. It's Congress's purpose to draft laws and and implement them. We as a country have kind of been lied to about what the president does, and it's kind of been sold to us as time goes on that the president is more powerful and that the president is the heart of, of the country. That's not true. Like, Congress is the one that makes laws, and we vote for those people to make the laws. Now Donald Trump is unilaterally taking all this money for a non-emergency issue and claiming it's an emergency. And we're really going to see, I hope, I really hope that congressional Democrats are going to draw a line in the sand, although I don't think they will, that the president cannot do this. And this is going to be what's splitting the Republican Party here going forward. Um, I don't know how anybody, regardless of your political affiliation, can support a president doing things that are not within their power. It's unconstitutional. For the president to take all this money and put it towards something that's not an emergency. I don't, I don't know where to go from there because I don't know if there's any, like, I don't know how to argue anymore. Like, how are people still in favor of somebody just doing something that they feel like it? Me and, uh, me and my fiance were talking about this uh, probably about a week ago. We were talking about the wall and just about immigration. And uh, I, I guess, I, like, if I was talking to a pro-wall person... Uh, I would just ask them, you know, or like here, here, let you and I, let, mm-hmm. let's go through this conversation. We'll okay. True or false. A country's laws are part of their culture. Do you want me to be the, okay. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. You, you don't have to act. I'm just <laughs> okay. asking you true or like your own opinion. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I'd agree. I'd agree that laws are a huge kind of like residue of the culture of the superstructure. Laws should based. reflect the culture of a country. Okay. For sure. Like, yeah, you, you could probably argue that. Now, the big thing that you hear about immigration is, you know, they, they try to say this isn't a racial thing. This is a criminal thing. Mm-hmm. This is about people coming in to the country who have no right to be here. Breaking laws <laughs> should be sent back to where they came from, because if they break laws, that this is this is like the, 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 the Trumpian philosophy, mm-hmm. the line of thought and, and, an illegal alien comes into the country, breaks a law. They prove that they have no interest in assimilation or being part of the cultural cohesion. Mm-hmm. They, like that, that's basically the argument, right? They They're trying to say they won't fit into our culture. They won't fit into the culture. My question is, why don't you make the argument that anyone who commits crime is deviating from the culture? Mm-hmm. That's and an interesting anyone, way of looking at it. And if anyone commits a crime, I mean, why don't you make the radical conservative argument to say, why do we even have prisons for these people <laughs> if they have no interest in adhering to the culture, adhering to the laws, why should I invest taxpayer, taxpayer money? Taxpayer money. Why should I into, pay? into having people that have no regard for the law, no regard for the culture. Mm-hmm. And we make that exception because of citizen because of because citizenship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they are more comfortable with, you know, I mean, Ted Bundy murdering, you know, 20 somewhat people, uh spending years and years and in, in incarceration that theoretically makes more like sense. Yeah. Like, then, like, 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 it, it, like they, they wouldn't, they wouldn't say that we should deport Ted Bundy. 
No. Or we should deport, you know, uh, O.J. Simpson. Mm-hmm. They would never make that argument. Or maybe they would. For O.J., I think they would. Well, yeah, maybe I think they some would. Of them would. But you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know exactly so, what like, you're saying. Clearly, I've never thought about that before. Like, it, it clearly is more of just like a ethnic argument. It is more of like a, well, if we can prevent more people from these other regions coming in, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. And let's create this, like, very half-assed philosophy behind it that, oh, no, this, this is about criminality. Yeah. It's about... Pro- we it's, have it's, borders it's, for it's, a reason. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's about culture. It, it's about national defense. No. If it were, we would deport every single person that commits a crime. We would deport people for murder. We deport people for tax evasion. Because, in my opinion, that's more of a deterrent from the, the cultural cohesion. I mean, th- like, like, like th- no, I mean, hold on. Like, really think about it. What's more of a deviation from the culture or more of a spit in What's the face of the culture? What's more unpatriotic to being, not pay being a, your taxes? Being a home... Being a a, a, home, a quote homegrown citizen, uh-huh. growing up in America your whole life, and then killing your family, and then committing a murder, or, or you know going postal something, because mm-hmm. you know I mean like from their logic that is a American citizen turning their back basically on the culture. Now what's more offensive that, or a person coming from you know Honduras or you know Guatemala, who come to the country. Uh, overstay a visa and then maybe they get into a bar fight one night mm-hmm. and then like you know the police are called they look into their history and, oh now we have to deport this person yeah. who is more of a deviation from the culture really yeah we've but they'll never make that argument and a democrat will never pose this question no, I've, I've never even thought of this question this also kind of i've thought a lot about it the whole like okay so when you call someone un-american like that is an un-american thing to do that's kind of been taken i think like there's this huge split on what is and what isn't american and we saw like donald trump said the 25th amendment was unconstitutional so like the 25th amendment of the constitution is somehow unconstitutional um there's been this like split so like for me being un-american is censoring free speech being un-american is not paying your taxes i'm giving examples but i heard somebody say how un-american it was for people in the nfl to knee like the, this, this whole like, oh, that's un-American is an argument that I've, it's an insult I've used to people. So when someone says, oh, they shouldn't be allowed to do that, I'm like, well, really, you're arguing against free speech. And I, th- I think we kind of are hitting on the same thing here with these two like situations is that for some reason, the culture's like split somewhere and there's no common American ideals that anybody can agree on. I don't, I don't, I'm not putting forward a solution. It's just an observation I've had. And that's an interesting question that you pose because I've literally never thought about that. And I wonder how a conservative, we should have somebody, a conservative on to ask them that question. Um, I mean, th- I mean, th- think about like following that philosophy to its logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically, you should be kind of opposed to any kind of taxed, uh, you know, holding for, yeah. for, you know, people that are culturally, uh, you know, a- antithetical. Well, but- that's why England colonized Australia and put all the prisoners there. But going back to uh, <laughs> going way back, g- going back to uh, the whole un-American thing and the whole free speech thing. I mean, I'm, I'm in a media law class right now. Mm-hmm. We talk about you know Gitlow v. New York. Uh, we talk about just tons of these cases. Almost every single case that we've talked about that involves free speech involves uh, leftists or people with very left-leaning political views being incarcerated or silenced by the government. Because of those views were held as dangerous to America or anti-American. Like, uh, I don't remember the name of the case, but burning the flag. 
Well, that was actually found to be protected speech. That, yeah. that, that was an exception. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like there, there was Gitlow v. New York, and then there was also Schenck v. United States, which this is the one I, I actually want to talk about more. The whole like point of it was an individual was destroying draft material. Yeah, they were burning the draft card, weren't they? Yeah, he, he, he was a radical pacifist. Uh, I believe he was an anarchist. Uh, very like far, so not far left a likable person. Uh, I mean, by by you know, uh, American governmental standard, sure. I, I I think he was probably a very pleasant person to be around. Well, he was a um, pacifist, right? But like, okay. hung up on the anarchists. My bad. Hey, uh, that 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 word has been corrupted. I'll say that the whole thing was the government tried to make the argument that by doing that, it was essentially creating a precedent of danger for the country, mm-hmm. and. He served jail time yeah. for burning a draft, a, a draft card. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, when, when people, when, when I hear like these First Amendment people always talking about, you know, oh, the First Amendment is cracking down on, you know, uh, Sargon of Akkad on Twitter or it's, twi- or it's cracking down on Ben Shapiro on YouTube or something. Well, people don't I know really, what the really First laugh. Amendment is. I yeah. really laugh because once either of those people do jail time for their political views or their political action, then I'll, then I'll care. Yeah. Once, once the government says we're going to rob years of your life from you because of pacifism. The, the reason like Twitter is allowed to silence people and YouTube is allowed to take these people off is because the first amendment does not protect you on a third party platform. The first amendment says that the government cannot infringe against free speech. There is no law to my knowledge, that says Facebook can't ban you because you said some crazy things on it. Like, I I hate when people on both sides say, like, oh, I'm being censored. You're not being censored unless well, should, the government is doing it. Well, and also, shouldn't you have a right to be un-American? That's, a, that's an interesting argument. I think you do have a right to be I un-American. Do, I do, too. I think you, like, by the principle of being an American, basically, you have a right to say, I don't like it. Yeah, exercising like your right of being un-American is, in a way, American. It's patriotic. Um, there was another case we learned. Uh, I can't remember the, the specific, you know, who, who, who v. who, but uh, um, there were some students in uh, who were wearing these black armbands. Oh, this is a super popular one. Yeah, yeah, criticizing the, the, the Vietnam War, and that was seen as a form of protected speech. Because, you know, they, they, they were wearing something that clearly, you know, had a kind of symbolic form of speech attached to it. That, that in my opinion, should be protected. I should—anyone should be allowed to wear a shirt that says, you know, fuck the United it States. It was Tinker v. Desmontes. Yes. Uh, and it was students who were wearing an armband. The yeah. school tried to suspend them. And the reason the school couldn't do that is because it was a public school. It was a government entity. And you cannot—a government entity cannot censor free speech. Yeah, and you should—you have the freedom to— Criticize the government, mm-hmm. especially on like any kind of public property. Yeah. I mean, if that, it was that's a private school place. or if it was a charter school, then they would. Well, the charter school, there could be a debate. But if it was a private school, then they could get in trouble for that. Um, Which I always think is funny because the people that are most pro free speech are also most pro private property. Yeah. Which is the place where you don't have don't any have free, free speech. speech. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a lot of times free movement. Yeah, there's there's an interesting, I think, crossover on the left and right of constitutionalists who, <laughs> you, you roll your eyes, but I, that's a sizable portion who say, okay, the Second Amendment says I have the right to bear arms. But there's these weird little idiosyncrasies where if you give them a situation, they say, oh, well, they shouldn't be able to, able to do that. That's anti-American. They can't have that free speech. I, I just can't imagine, like, 
saying like, okay, I, I'm going to like develop my, my political philosophy and always having to pivot back to, but wait a second, like that, that, that goes against the constitution. What does the constitution, what does the say, constitution about this? say about this? How about, what do you think? Yeah. Like what, what do you think personally? Mm -hmm. Personally, I think you should, you should be able to have a gun. I don't think it's because of the constitution. I think any person on this planet has a right to have something to defend their life with, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah. The, the Constitution is also a changing document. Oh, yeah. And uh, the, this 25th Amendment Trump thing is one of the most hilarious. Like, I don't know how, as a Republican, you can still be on this guy's team when he's calling the Constitution unconstitutional. Does that make any sense? If you're out there and you love Trump and you think of yourself as somebody who thinks the Constitution is robust and we should follow, we as a country are beholden to the Constitution. Uh, yet you don't think Donald Trump saying that the 25th Amendment is unconstitutional? Like, that's that sort of disconnect just boggles my mind. Well, like, going back to the whole un-American term, the term un-American is reserved by Americans with power, usually, to uh, 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 disillusion or discredit any other kind of speech or opinion which they think is a threat to the current American landscape. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if you propose, I mean, there were there were people that 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 would say, uh, you know, if you're pro gay marriage, that's un American. Yeah. Or if you're uh, against the Second Amendment, that's you know un American. Or if you're pro Second Amendment, that's un American. Or if you're, how about I like that 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 I just hate I hate when people when they're having a political debate they'd be like, hey, we're all Americans here. Mm -hmm. We're all like. It, 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 this, 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 like this, this should be about us as Americans. No, it should be about us as people. And, and like that swapping in Americans for people, I don't like. Yeah, because it I, completely I see, I see permits, it completely permits just this blanket of ignorance that, 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 that we have. This, this whole idea of like where we have to have these caveats about, you know, criminality and, and, and immigration. You know, we have to like, well, is there a difference between indentured servitude and slavery? Well, is there a difference oh between— Oh, my God, I hate well, that well, so well, much. Is there, like, we have to have these nuance Olympics, yeah. you know what I mean? Where it's like, why do we have to always—and, like, I, I'm not saying that you're saying this point, but the problem I have with the whole, like, free exchange of ideas thing, mm -hmm. it's usually uh, a theater of— the right being able to insert their their politics into the Overton window and the left usually not being able to because, yeah. as I've said multiple times, I'll continue to say it, compromise means the left compromising to the right. It rarely, if ever, I would argue, means the right compromising to the left. Yeah, I actually read a study um, that looked at Republicans have... The only time Republicans believe, like have faith in their government is when the government is Republican, and Democrats, even if their government isn't Democrat, will have faith in Republican governments. So, and I think it's because Democrats have a more positive view of like government liberalism. Provision. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to have a whole discussion about. Well, we liberalism have different different days, definitions yeah. of liberalism. Yeah. Right. Um, Maybe a little bit. I, I think we have vastly different definitions yeah, maybe, of liberalism. Maybe vastly a little um, bit, yeah. Somebody, I, I got into an argument on Twitter with somebody because I used the term the West, and they did oh, not yeah. They did not like uh, me. Like, when I refer to the West, I'm kind of referring to the first world, like Democrat Democratic countries who are, like, capitalist and not socialist, but, like, not communist. Like, so that might be a little confusing the way I put it. Um when I talk about the West, I think of countries who like democracy, 
And that's what it boils down to. So when I say George H.W. Bush... I, 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 I Bush think I can understand why you got a little was George H.W. Bush was really important in, fi- in helping the West. That's exactly what I said. Uh, he- helping the West come to fruition and being empowered almost when Germany fell. This is getting really specific. But when I use the term the West, I'm kind of thinking of the same terms, funny enough, that when I call something American. Like, to be American to me is to be in favor of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and free speech, and things like that. Like, when I call someone un-American, it's somebody who has violated, like, one of those things, right? Mm. Like, if I say, you're un-American, it's because you said, this person shouldn't be allowed to do that, or I don't like gay people getting married because I it hurts my religion. Like, that is un-American to me. And to be American is to say, you do you, I'll do me, as long as you're not hurting anything. It sounds like a lot of the same criticisms I have when people call themselves Christians, because it's like I, I, I consider myself a Christian. And uh, when I hear people be like, you know, D- Donald Trump reflects my views as a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm a business owner and blah, blah, blah. And I hear that whole spiel. You know, I, I own a private, uh, you know, like ec- ec- equity firm or something. And, you, and I'm a Christian. I just I own temp- a concrete my, firm. My temples hurt. Mm-hmm. My temples hurt because I can't think of anything more antithetical than uh, someone paying people for, you know, wage, wage labor to shave off profit to the top so they can get out of paying as much taxes as possible. Because mm-hmm. clearly Christ said, uh, blessed are those who get out of, uh, blessed are those who discover tax who evasion. Who have a really good account. Blessed are those who have great accountants who weasel their way out of paying any kind of social due whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And fuck those people who give the one penny that they have. It's going to be a lot of bleeps this episode. We don't have bleeps anymore. We don't have bleeps anymore. We're we allowed to say bleepless. fuck. Yeah. And like back back to the little Christian thing. It's just like nothing feels so like antithetical to that to me. And I guess I have a hard time. I've never said like you're an american i've never i've never used that term in my life I like to, to someone use that. I, I really do because <laughs> to me I, I i guess my brain just doesn't work that way because to me I, I i don't like america i i, I if someone's un-american i'm like let's go have a cup of coffee and talk about it because <laughs> i think that honestly like now you probably should be un-american like, yeah. like i'm just gonna go on record if you are supportive of uh, uh, like 2019 America. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. If you're supportive of 1776 to 2019 America, you're you're you probably don't know how America operates. Yeah. And I think it I, I think that if you asked uh the Iranians, if you asked the Hondurans if they like America and they said no, um and then you said, "Oh, these people are un-American. How awful." I think it goes back to like just a very strong historical ignorance that Americans have. And I mean, like, look at look at stats. We have horrible education here. When, we have hor- horrible knowledge of our history when here. When I say un-American, I mean against the ideals of America, right? But, so, but I, I feel like that thing, the ideals of America, I feel like that, like, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, life's good. Liberty's great. I'm a hardcore <laughs> Dude, liberty liberty's guy. Liberty's the best. And uh, the pursuit of happiness, sure. Like th- those are all great things. Mm-hmm. And those three things for me mean something radically different yeah. than uh, you know, the private equity firm owner who believes liberty is owning that private equity firm, and the pursuit of happiness is continuing to not give their employees yeah. benefits. Um, I, I I think so. For for me, I'm critical of it because it's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for 
people that own property. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, well, this I is like your leftist dirt. lens looking at it, right? No, that this... is that. See, like, I, I don't think it's the leftist lens because can you prove to me that it isn't that? Can you prove to me that the people that have life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness aren't pro- property owners, aren't people with economic power? I think, I don't think it's that deep. Is I, 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 I think it's deeper because you're leftist. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I implore people, I implore people that if they care about leftism and they've been kind of alienated by what they see on Twitter, I would implore you like, like the conversation I'm having right now is a conversation I'd want to have more with people. Yeah. And it's I not agree. about me going around looking for the next white supremacist to, you know, lambast on Twitter. It's me trying to talk to people about, Hey, do you think that, the way things are set up right now is the way they should be. Do you think that they can change? Mm-hmm. People thought feudalism would probably last forever. Yeah. So that, 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 but the whole un-American thing, don't be worried about being un-American. Be worried about, uh, are you making life better for the people around you? I think it is American to make the life better. See, this is, it, it's my own personal thing. For sure. And, and every single person. And, and you, you can reappropriate American to mean that. Yeah, it's to- and it's, you're allowed to do that. Like, American can be whatever you want it to be. And you can, like, you can say, you specifically just said it, like, being American is, or being pro-American is bad. And I can be against things that America, America has done. But I can also say, as a set of ideas, in, in the perfect form, the American ideals are good. And there's something we should aspire to. And regardless of your definitions of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and whoever has them, we can look forward to and we can aspire to be more free. We can aspire to be or to have a better standard of living because comparatively, Americans do have a really good standard of living. And however we got here, it's good that we have that now. And you can continue to say that we should raise the standard of living for everybody around us in the whole world and in America. And that is what I am hearkening to when I am saying I am like, I'm patriotic, I'm American. That's not American, that's unpatriotic. Yeah. We can we can fight in the mud about this all day. Like appropriating the term American to mean that, mm-hmm. that, that, that that's a good goal. Yeah. And the problem is people saying that no, no, no. America means this one monolithic thing. Yeah. And you appropriating that is, you know, like some, someone would argue you trying to appropriate America to mean a more egalitarian thing is, uh, you know, propagandic or that's that's you looking at it through a leftist lens it's or me, something. You know? It's the pie it's, it's, in the sky progressives. Right, exactly. I was called a pie in the sky progressive. <laughs> um, I can't imagine what they after called the me. last episode I was. And I think the last episode was me. I don't think I gave a lot of opinion talking about the Justice Democrats last no, episode. No, you, you were pretty... Uh, I was just, pretty factual and yeah. pretty vanilla, and I was that way on purpose. And if you think that I... And that's why they suck, yeah. because they're so easily hateable, because yeah. they do suck. Yeah. How was your day so far? Let's end like this. We're in it together. Let's end on a positive note. Yeah, I'll, Did you have a good I'll, day I'll so end far? A, I'll end on a pretty positive note. Um, so the reason why I was out for a couple weeks to, you know, and leave Jeremy alone is uh, my grandmother passed away uh, 104 days after my grandfather. And uh, I had to go, you know, tend to that and everything. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because these were two people who had, like, a tremendous influence in my life just from, like, a literal standpoint, but also in a lot of ways from a political standpoint, too. They weren't on their face very political people. They would never talk to you about who to vote for if you asked them. They were UAW members for decades, though. Um, My grandfather did 
decades of volunteer work around his area. Same with my grandmother. And they were people that, as I was, as I was growing up, I maybe didn't catch on it. But now looking back, I'm happy that they saved me the bullshit of, you know, oh, Dukakis or, you know, whoever. <laughs> and they just showed me, you know, the importance of just doing something. Mm -hmm. The importance of, like, my grandfather would go to nursing homes and he'd play music for people. Um, you know, he did a bunch of service at his church. My grandmother, the same thing. They were just people of service and they were people that, you know, wanted to give and give and give until they didn't have anything. And then they would thank you for the opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. You know, they were, you know, born in the 20s and 30s, fairly people of that time, fairly conservative about most common topics. But I never once heard my grandparents, never once heard them say anything bad about gay people, never heard them say anything bad about, you know, a black person that they walked by, mm -hmm. you know, at, when I was at their funeral, you know, we had, uh, tons of, tons of like family friends that they grew up with, uh, shout out to the, 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 the Soto family. <laughs> like my, my mom told me this, you know, she grew up in a really multicultural environment because her parents didn't put that divide between them, mm -hmm. which may have been a rare thing for, you know, uh, a, a family growing up. But the reason I, I bring this up I'm wearing her UAW pin today. Take a lesson from the generations of past sometimes. And there were people that weren't part of my family that came to that funeral, both of those, both of their funerals, because they were just people that made a difference, a literal tangible difference in their lives through just service and volunteer work. Just, just a little bit of a thing to throw out to people. If you think you should go join the college Democrats, if you think you should go join the college Republicans, maybe think, should I try to actually... Find the people in my society that are suffering the most. Find the people that that uh, exist in like the worst forms of poverty. And should I try to reach those people? You know, uh, and you can say that that's you know a political thing. You can say it's non-political. My grandparents lived life not really worrying about whether it was political or not. They just did it. But I, I saw that. I took it. And uh, I'm nothing. I'm nothing like them. Uh, they, they've done so much more of their lives than I'll probably ever do. But Shouts out to them. I hope they're doing good in heaven. Uh, I hope they're, um, you know, just, just living it up. And I'm so happy that they instilled in me this idea that you should be altruistic. You should be empathetic. And uh, you should always worry about others. Uh, I would argue more than yourself. You, know, you should live selflessly. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you can materialize that into your political philosophy, I think that's a great step. That's a great way to put it. Thank so, you so much yeah, for that. I have no way to top sure. that. Thank, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, join us next week. Peace out. Peace out.